Hello, and welcome to Jag Bags, a discussion of all things pop culture. I'm Mike Beyer. And I'm Len Foote. Welcome to the program. We are coming at you live from the home studios in Woodridge, Illinois, standing room only. Line out the door and around the corner. Socially distanced. Of course. Lying around the corner. Without saying. That goes without saying. Masked up. Correct. We follow the science. Yeah. Uh, tonight on our, uh, this our, is this our 30th episode or 29th? Our 30th. Our 30th episode. I knew that I had busted out the cheesecake <laughs> for a good reason. Our 30th episode. And tonight we will talk about our very favorite sitcoms. There have been so many over the last 60 years. And tonight, Len and I will bring our expertise to bear. Expertise. Present our 10 favorite sitcoms for you, the brilliant and wonderful Jag Bags listeners. We uh, have experienced a nice little boost in our listeners, especially over the last few weeks. We owe it all to you. We're glad you're here. And we hope you keep coming back because... It's only going to get better. It's the yeah, the word of mouth this has seemed to help a lot. Yes. So we appreciate any of you that have been recommending our podcast. Yes, we do. And tell more. Spread the word. Our strategy is working in Germany. There is just... Uh, we are gods in Germany. There's so. competing fan clubs. It's Len fan club <laughs> members versus B fan club members. There have been fights in Bonn. <laughs> and I don't I don't I don't appreciate all those uh, faxes telling them uh, giving them uh, fighting tips on uh, ways to dismantle my fan club. Let's just let them settle it themselves. All right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> all right, tonight before we get to the sitcoms, we'll go through our um, list of topics that we always like to talk about here on Jag Bags. We'll talk NFL. The Super Bowl is finally here. It'll be the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll give you our expert preview. We'll talk college basketball. The Illini had a big win over the highly regarded Iowa Hawkeyes. And uh, we'll just kind of probably best not to talk about our fast plummeting Wildcats. Uh, we'll talk NBA, Cavs and Bulls. We'll talk... The Rolling Stones top 500 albums of all time. Each week we'll pick album or albums that we really like and we'll present them to you, Jagbags listener, for your edification and maybe you know, you'll want to listen to it yourself. And then we'll get right to the sitcoms. And uh, I think that's it. Let's jump right to the Super Bowl, which is coming up this Sunday. It's crazy that the hype this year, I feel, has been muted. There's been more talk of uh, where Deshaun Watson is going and the big trade between the Lions and the Rams than uh, the big game itself. 
and I'm looking for a good game. Um, I, I honestly did not think Tampa would make it to the Super Bowl. I, I wasn't sure who would beat them. And honestly, I thought Green Bay would, when it, when it came time for the NFC Championship, I thought Green Bay would win pretty comfortably. And, uh, but uh, Tom Brady, I'm, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to order his, whatever his diet and exercise regimen is too. Cause uh, this guy looks great. He's 43. Maybe I can play another 15 years of hoops. That's the goal. No, actually, you need to play. How old are you? 51? 51. 19 more. I think we said more 70. Years. You have to play 19 more years. If I follow the TB uh, uh, exercise regimen, maybe I can do it too. No, it's really impressive think, what Brady has done. I don't think there's a chapter on cheesecake, though, so that might. Oh. <laughs> I don't think he's eating cheesecake on the sideline. I'm going to write Mr. Brady. There's a flaws in his diet design. Um, were you surprised that Tampa made it to the Super Bowl? Yes. I, I thought the Packers were going to beat them, but the Packers choked. They sure did. They Brady throws three picks. And yeah. They don't capitalize on that. They kick a field goal instead of going for a touchdown. It was just a mess. They just unbelievable. They almost they almost beat themselves. But yep. here, you know, I I actually think if the Chiefs play like they did against the Bills, they might win this game pretty easily. Because yeah. I don't. Yeah, I I there are signs that point to a blowout. Could be. The thing on the other side that makes me nervous is Tom Brady factor, just a psychological thing. Like if the Chiefs defense don't play as well as they did against the Bills and Brady's marching the Buccaneers down the field, Chiefs get nervous, they make some mistakes, and the Buccaneers get the upset. That's the other side of it. Yeah. But if the, like I said, if the Chiefs play as well as they did last uh, last game, I think they win pretty easily. I'm with you. I really feel that the Chiefs are, you know, they had their tough playoff game. And sometimes when you have a tough playoff game uh, and you come out the winner, that gives you a lot of confidence. And, you know, you, you know because you faced a gauntlet, there were some you know, plays where it could have gone south and uh, they executed and they won the game. And that can really boost a team's confidence. You saw it against Buffalo. Like you said, they're clicking on all cylinders. Um, so, uh, you know, um, apologies to all the Brady fans, but, uh, and I hope it's a good game. A super, a close, great Super Bowl is awesome. Really nothing like it. I think the Chiefs win by a couple of touchdowns. Yeah, I hope so. The other worry, too, is the offensive line of the Chiefs is kind of in disrepair a little bit, and that could hurt them. But I think we talked about this on the last podcast or the one two weeks ago, that I think Andy Reid will figure out a way to um, not let those protection issues mess things up. Like he'll do more rollouts or quick passes. He's got two weeks to prepare, so that that helps. 
The other thing too, is that you've got a first time Super Bowl coach and going against a guy who's been there a lot of times, um, advantage chiefs. Yeah. The nerves actually on the other side of it, the nerves could be a factor for Tampa Bay because Brady's the only guy really, I think who's played in a big game like this. Gronk. Is Antonio Brown playing? Oh yeah. Gronk too. Oh, Antonio Brown went to, is he playing? Yeah, I think he is. Has he played in the Super Bowl? I forgot about him because Steelers, right? Yeah, but I can't remember if he's played in the Super Bowl before. I think so. I think he was on one of their teams. Let me check. Well, let's talk. So let's move on to college. What about, um, oh, it's the Illini game. What a win. What a huge win for the Illini. I mean, you know, this Big Ten season, it's easy to get down on yourself because – you, you hit a rough patch and the schedule so unforgiving that you can, it can really get away from you. Exhibit A, the Wildcats. Uh, but Illini, that was a big, big win. Yeah. The, um, Oh, Antonio Brown was in the Super Bowl with the Steelers, but they lost to the Packers. Ah, uh, yes. The, Iran versus Iraq Super Bowl. <laughs> and never cared less about the outcome of the, than the Packers <laughs> Steelers. <laughs> but the get back to the Illini game. What was nice was close game and they finished it out. They've been pretty frustrating to watch because they just have these lapses usually. They've lost a couple of games they should have won. Right. And Iowa might be the, I know Michigan's in first place in the Big Ten, but Iowa might be the best team in the Big Ten, and, and Illini beat them. Yep. They, they held Garza down relatively. Um, I was a little worried at the end of the game because Bohannon got open for a wide open three and made it, and they cut the three. I was like, oh no! But then they <laughs> got a couple free throws, and uh, Coburn missed one. But Iowa didn't get the rebound. Well, they got the rebound, and that was it. So they made the big plays when they needed to. And their their schedule gets. I mean, actually, the big. I don't know when you don't have a tough schedule in the Big Ten this year because almost the entire league is rated is ranked. I mean. Right. Even a team like Penn State that that's not that good, they're starting to play better. They had an upset. I think they beat Wisconsin. Yeah, that's and the thing. I mean, they Northwestern's can... beaten good teams. I mean, they haven't won. They've lost eight in a row. But even Northwestern's a competitive team. You don't get a off night, I don't think, this year in the Big Ten. No, and we've talked about that before. And so, and so you can kind of, even though you can you know, get on the losing streak and it seems, you know, it appears that, um, you know, your season's going down the tubes. It only takes one win over a, a top 10 team to really, you know, get your confidence back and say, Hey, you know, we, we know what it takes to win. And if we play well, we can beat literally anyone. Yeah. And, and uh, your, your friend, Tom Izzo, he's in oh. danger of not making a tournament. They, Delicious. They again. They're Delicious. eight and six. Wonderful. And Duke is 500. 
Yeah, Kentucky's Kentucky, having Kentucky's five and ten. What do you think that? What do you think's behind that? Because that's obviously there's something there. I have my theory, but I'm just what was Kentucky? Well, all those. I mean, it's pretty weird that like you've got all these blue bloods. I don't think Carolina's having an especially good year. No, Carolina's not having a good year either. All these blue bloods are really struggling. Well, the Kentucky thing is they basically have a new team every year. Right. Because they just sign all these freshmen who just want to go to the NBA. Right. And maybe this year they just, they're not gelling or they probably have the talent. They're just not putting it together and they're young guys. You know, it does not going to work every year. It's, it's still surprising, but they probably don't have any veteran college players to kind of get them through the rough patches. Right. And Michigan, Michigan state, that's odd, but there's still enough season left. And if Michigan state wins half their games in the big 10 and beat some of the ranked big 10 teams, they'll still make the tournament. Right. Duke. Duke, What's funny about Duke is I think Krzyzewski knew they weren't good early on because he was complaining about stuff about (laughs) the season being even being played. Like what? I know he's such, if I may, (laughs) he, if I may, uh, he is such a, a word that starts with B and rhymes with ditch. (laughs) When things go wrong, he is just, remember when he like all of a sudden developed a very terrible back injury and couldn't, when his team sucked and he's like, Oh, my back and hurts. I can't coach anymore. I'm like, suck it up and take your losing season like a man. Yeah, he doesn't rant over. I think <laughs> I think he was watching practice at the beginning of the year and was like, uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even think the ACC is that great this year. I think Virginia is good, and I don't know who else in there is that great this year. Right. It's not even a superstar year for them because Carolina and Duke both aren't good this year. So, no, it's very strange, very weird. Well, it's going to make for an even, it's going to be even more fun watching the tournament this year. And Baylor and Gonzaga, they're amazing. They're just crushing teams. They're going to be tough to beat, those two. They've been number one and number two all, all year. Yeah. I, um, you know, the thing about like Gonzaga always, uh, historically they've never been able to break through. They just kind of, you know, flame out. Um, And uh, they, um, they just can never, you know, win the big one. So maybe this is the year that, that they do it. Yeah. I'm excited for it. Yeah, me too. Knock on wood that, Everything goes well, and they're being smart. They're going to do it in the bubble. Every game's going to be in the Indianapolis area. Right. So that's smart. Agreed. I agree. Um, What about what's going on in uh, professional basketball with the Cavs? Uh, The Cavs are in a bit of a weird place. They... I think that they're, I think the grind of the season might be getting to them a bit. I think that they can play with anyone. And uh, 
they were interviewing Drummond. Last night they lost to the Timberwolves. Very bad loss. And uh, well, the Timberwolves are not. I was looking at the NBA standings, and there's no horrendous team this year. There's nobody who's just has no shot at winning because even the Timberwolves have five wins. I think the worst teams are Timberwolves, Wizards, and there's one other team I think that has the Pistons. Yeah, the Pistons, but the Pistons I think beat the Lakers one game. Yeah, well, the whole season's pretty screwy. Um, because but it's good. There, there's some uh, parody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still think the Lakers are are the best team, but at least the regular season is going to be competitive. It's a weird season too, because you look at teams that you think would be much better in there. And I still think they will write the ship, but um, you know, time is kind of against them. Uh, the Raptors are yeah. uh, struggling the heat and you could chalk that out to their finals run. I mean, there wasn't. Yeah. Some, some players have bubble fatigue. I was talking about that yesterday with, couple of my friends yeah like jamal murray he he was amazing in the summer and this year he hasn't played that well no but that's weird too because Jokic is having Jokic is unbelievable this year yeah Jokic is incredible he had a 47 yesterday and i saw that he is averaging close to nine assists a game yep um so he is playing at a super high level yeah Jokic and uh Who's the other MVP candidate uh, for the Sixers? Um, yeah, Embiid. Those are the two Embiid. number one and two right now. Embiid's been great. Uh, New Orleans is a disappointment. Oh yeah, uh, we talked da- about them last week. We talked we about that. Yeah. Dallas is a big disappointment. Yeah, Dallas is surprising because same thing. They looked really in the bubble. They looked great. Right. And uh, yeah, Doncic was voicing his frustrations about their effort. Yeah. Which is never a good sign. I mean, if you're losing just because whatever, you're like, you're not shooting well or, but if, if people are questioning your effort, then there's something really, it could be something really wrong. And they, they've gone to the toilet ever since uh, he did that. They've lost five in a row. So probably some guys have not responded too well to this young kid saying no one's trying. Yeah. But I mean, they're in the West too. The West is loaded. Yeah. Um, oh, so the I was cat- going to ask you this. I was going to ask you this about Cleveland Drummond trade rumors. What do you think of that? Well, he's definitely playing to um, get his to jack up his trade value. I mean, he's very motivated, and uh, I mean, against the Timberwolves, they lost. He had twenty five points, twenty two boards. Yeah. Um, he puts up crazy stats. But here's the thing. Uh, I, I mean. I didn't really watch a lot of Detroit Pistons games uh, when he was with Detroit and, uh, and I have the NBA league pass. So I do watch a fair amount of Cavs games. Drummond is the softest consistent double, double guy that I have ever seen. He, and it's crazy because you look at the stat sheet when it's done and he's got great numbers, but he's constantly getting out rebounded by a smaller guy. Or people mm-hmm. are just taking it right to him, yeah, um, and scoring on him, and yet you know he's got these ridiculous numbers, 
And the defense. So you is, have to watch the games, guy, is what you're saying. Because if you looked at his stats, you would you would think he was playing great. Yeah, and I'm like, get rid of him. What um, would you What do you think the Cavs need the most? What would you trade for him? Well, that is a great. They seem it's they have a weird. They have a weird. They've got to shed some big men. I think that they need kind of a slasher, athletic type, um, a guy that consistently because Sexton is that, but but Sexton's a little guy. They need someone like a Jordan or a a Ron Harper, um, uh, like a small forward, someone who's like six six. Yeah, six 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 seven. Great athlete, guy who's not afraid to take it to the hole. A guy like Tatum. Um, a guy that can, um, you know, that can pull bigger guys out and maybe post, um, smaller guys. Cause I th- feel like that might open things up. The calves are either way too big or they're way too small. And I yeah. think they just need someone in between. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my opinion on the calves. I, I, I've been very pleased with them and it was funny. They asked Drummond, he said, how, how could you lose? You know, Timberwolves was a game that they should have won. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, I think we still have a lot of young guys who think that, oh, there's a, there's a nothing team. We can relax a little bit. We can, we can relax a little bit. And I think they're learning that you just can't do that in the mm-hmm. NBA. So growing pains. Um, but uh, the Bulls. On the other hand, they have an interesting week. Yeah. They got Thibodeau in the Knicks tonight and Wednesday because the schedules are completely different this year because of COVID because they play two games here in Chicago, the Knicks, and then the Bulls go to Orlando and play two games in Orlando. Right. These are teams, the Bulls, if they want to make the playoffs, they got to beat these two teams. So I'm curious how this week will go. Alex has just, uh, my staff writer, Alex, has just handed writer. me uh, an update. Um, oh, and a cup of coffee. Thank you, Alex. Uh, the Bulls are up eight with four minutes to go in the third quarter on the Knicks. Up eight. Um, yeah, you're right. They. This is a game that, if you're right. The, the Knicks are a team that they can, and I think they should be. I think they're better than the Knicks. Knicks and Orlando, that's, that's two teams they have to beat out to make to get the playoff spot. Right. I'm not expecting contention, but it'd be nice for them to make the playoffs this year. I, 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 I like their makeup, and I think they – like I, I've said this before, we've talked about it. Uh, they um, are – you know, Donovan's presence is beginning to be felt, and um, I think he's got to just be able to unlock – He's got to be able to unlock Markinen because I think Markinen, Markinen is a, had a great game against the Blazers, but they blew that game. They did. They came back from down 19. Right. They had the game one. They let Lillard, Lillard hit a three. And then Levine went into the corner and let them get a jump ball on him, which is like a play you know not to do when you're in grammar school. So that was super frustrating. Then he loses the tip. And Lillard throws in the three to the game. It was just awful, awful loss. Very bad loss. So this week's really huge for them. If they could win three out of four, then I, I think they're they got a good shot. 
But if they underperform this week, I don't know what's going to happen. After the Knicks, don't they play the Knicks twice? Yeah, they play the Knicks Monday and Wednesday, and then they play Orlando They can two win games that. in a row in Orlando. And then Washington, that's winnable. Yeah, the whole month, I think they maybe play two good teams. This whole month is their chance to move up in the standings. They've, it's a huge, they, huge month for them. Yeah, they get the Wizards and the Pelicans, both winnable games. Then the Clippers, who Pacers, that'll be tough. Then Charlotte, which has a similar record to the Bulls. So that that's a game they can win. Yeah, this is the prove it month. Show us your show us your decent team. Then the then the Sixers that might that could be difficult. Sacramento they can win that. Houston they can win that. Minnesota they can definitely win that. Phoenix that might be tough. And Toronto, assuming they haven't righted the Toronto's show. not been good this year. So they that's basically they can win all those games. There's maybe four good teams. Yeah, they can win. Sixers, all. Clippers, Suns, and the Suns are are good, but they're not super. You know, they're like ten and eight. But Sixers, Clippers, and um, there's one other good team. But besides that, I mean, they they should win if they're. Uh, they're going to make the playoffs. They got to win the majority of these this month. Zach is saying to himself, this is my time. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. I got this. I think he's a little too worried about being an all-star again, too. <laughs> he's like, oh, no, I want the team to win, but I'd like to be an all-star. <laughs> like, no, I think it's the other way around. I think you really want to be an all-star. And the team winning would be fine. So, yep. I saw a uh, article comparing him to Reggie Theus. Um, yeah, that's probably not a bad comparison. I was like, "Oh, I have not." That's interesting. I have to look more. But Theus was a guy who was great, could really fill it up, but had great hair. See, <laughs> his hair was the greatest. <laughs> Same type, yeah, same type of player. Like a really good scorer and everything, but not somebody who's going to elevate your team. No. No. Um, well, we will keep our listeners updated throughout the podcast as to the Cavaliers are also uh, rematching against the Timberwolves. They are up nine at the end of three going into the fourth quarter. Um We'll move on to our Rolling Stone top 500. Yes, Len, uh, as usual, your uh, your poor staff has presented <laughs> you with a myriad of choices. And you have come through with, you've listened to four albums this week. Yeah, we did our usual all-nighter Sunday. <laughs> Took some notes. You provided and crackers. As for, <laughs> a few. <laughs> they were each allowed two crackers and half a cup of water for the night. Half a cup. You're splurging. Well, it was four. So I'm like, all right, half a cup should do it. <laughs> should keep your, <laughs> should keep your whistle wet. <laughs> and for the, since we have newer viewers, just a reminder, when we do this, we are going through 
the top 500 albums that Rolling Stone magazine did a few months ago. And what we do is we pick albums that we don't know backwards and forwards. We're skipping the ones we know, like any Beatles album, obviously, and any other classic that we know every song on. We're trying to pick ones that we need either a refresher or we've never listened to. So the first one that I listened to was Transformer by Lou Reed. Ooh. And I think that's a great choice. I like Lou Reed, and this is peak Lou Reed. Got mm-hmm. Vicious, Perfect Day, Walk on the Wild Side, Satellite of Love. This is, this is if you're going to put a Lou Reed album in the top 500, it's that one. And I'd listened to it before, but I just, there were a few songs that I didn't remember. But it, that's really good album all the way through. And I agree. That I agree. One's, yeah, that one's number 109 on their list. Produced by David Bowie. Oh, that was? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's, that was a good good combination. It was a really good album. Agreed. I then love that record. I listened to the number 165 album, which is Murmur by R.E.M. Oh. And I like R.E.M. a lot. I like them more and more. I think they have like... When we talked about The Cure a couple of weeks ago, they're similar to them, them I think, because they started out more underground, kind of a college band, and then they just got bigger and bigger. But their early, the early R.E.M. stuff I love. And Murmurs, Murmurs, maybe is this their first album? Uh, I believe that it is. Yeah, yeah I remember hearing... Radio Free Europe in college. So this might be their debut. And yeah, I, I like that. I like it a lot. Talk about the passion, catapult. Catapult's great. Yeah. It's it's I think I've got I've liked that more as I've gotten older too. Oh <laughs> you'll enjoy the next one. And our friend Matt Angle will enjoy it too. <laughs> it's uh, number one sixty eight. Can't buy a thrill. Steely Dan. Uh, I like Steely Dan, despite their jazz influences. (laughs) I think this is this is my favorite Steely Dan album. Can't buy a thrill. Yes, it's great. I really like like it. I like it better. I like I like all all their albums except the later one that won all the Grammys and still mystifies me. But this is my favorite one. Favorite one. It's got my favorite. Steely Dan song, Reeling in the Years. It's got one of my favorite deep cuts of theirs, Midnight Cruiser. I like that song a lot. It's also got Do It Again and Dirty Work. It's I think it's their best one. It's uh that's not their first album, is it? Um uh, I don't know. I wanna say that it is, but um because and I think it is because they um they figured out pretty quick that Donald Fagan should be singing all the songs. Um and on and on Can't Buy a Thrill, um, you know, you've got yeah. other you've got other lead singers. And uh that was that, their that's a great debut. I didn't realize it was their first. Yeah. 
It, what's funny is that I don't know if there's more than two of their albums on this list because we talked about Aja or Aja. Aja. <laughs> Aja was their one, two, three, four, five, sixth album. Yes. And this was their debut. I don't think they picked anything else. But that was a good run. I mean, if we're... Ecstasy, Pretzel Logic, Katie oh. Light. I like all those albums. All Rose, those albums are Rose really Scam. good. Yep. Yeah, and then they didn't make an album t- <laughs> after Joe for 20 years. Yeah. We will talk about that more when we go to Matt Angle's house and do our Steely Dan retrospective. <laughs> I thought or we were going to do Scott Oaken. Actually, we're going to do our Steely Dan podcast special guest, Scott Oaken, <laughs> who will glower and growl. I think Dan he, I think Dan hates Steely Dan, too. They're easy to pick on just because they're so they're, – they they're very pretentious and they're very, um, you know, studio kind of perfectionist kind of – you know, they use like 42 different instruments and uh, Skunk Baxter is primarily involved and he's a lousy human being. And so, you know, there's all he is. Of, yeah, he is. Um, he did stuff for the Doobie Brothers, too. Yeah, he's a, he was a 70s fixture. Oh. Um, but uh, I, like I said, I mean, I put them right up. Uh, their first one, two, three, four, five, six. I even like Gaucho. Their first seven albums, real good. Yeah, and, and really I feel good. like we need to do a podcast just about all these amazing '70s runs. Yeah, I feel like we're talking about this every week. I know these bands that just from the start had long streaks of great albums in the '70s. Right. Here's one more. Yeah. And uh, okay, the last one I listened to was number 177. Every picture tells a story. Great. And yeah, it's a great album. I just needed a refresher. And I realized after listening to it, I can listen to Maggie May again. Because Maggie May used to be, you could not get away from Maggie May. But I don't hear it. I don't hear it like I used to anymore. And every picture tells a story is a great song. One of the best. When it kicks in at the beginning, I love it. Yeah. And I know I'm losing you. That's a great cover. And Mandolin Wind and Reason to Believe. Probably is probably his best album, Rod Stewart. So that's a good that's a really good choice. I um that album is tremendous. And um, it's one of those, like, it's great because there's not one bad cut on the whole <laughs> record. And it really showcases, I feel like Rod Stewart's a very versatile kind of vocalist. Like, he can sing anything well. Yeah, yeah. He's got a great rock and roll voice. Great, great. I mean, he was in the faces, one of the, you know, all-time great bands. And then, but can sing soul and ballads and, you know, you know if schlock's your thing, uh, you know. Yeah, his, so he does his, now. <laughs> his storybook records sell a billion just yeah. God. God. Yeah. 
so um he's at home in pretty and most genres and uh and i feel like this one kind of showed he was more than just a uh a shouter you know blues shouter for the for the faces i i really like that album i i'm with you it definitely belongs in the top 500 yeah i mean and maggie may's one of the most popular songs of the 70s i think it was number one for six weeks or something yep what was the one you listened to uh i listened to album number 484 the album is by lady gaga really and uh it's called born this way and uh you know when when she first came out i mean she was like kind of you know it was easy to make fun of her and uh she seemed to be more gimmick than anything else and i feel like popular uh acceptance has really kind of um uh, she's become much more mainstream, much more accepted. I think Star is Born was obviously an incredible career move for her. Gave her all kinds of real, you know, legitimacy because she was very good in that. And uh, yeah, yeah, I liked her a lot in that. And the thing is, I mean, she's got a great, great voice. Um, born This Way, I liked. To me, it's an album that um that madonna would be happy to make um but there's also you know some interesting uh, uh lyrics there too i mean the, she, you could tell she's definitely got a mind and um the, you know the born this way is a um is a you know now it's become a lg uh lgbtq anthem mm -hmm. Um, but it really covers a lot of, it covers a lot of sounds that isn't just like dance pop. There's rock in there and there's, um, you know, there's other types of uh, uh, influences as well. I am not ready to say this is a definitive top 500 album, but uh, I would consider it. I, I really don't have a problem with it. I mean, it's, it's number 484, so I'm not going to yeah. quibble. I, could see I, her, I, I think it's placed just about right. I could see her doing something even better, though. I think she has it in her for... Because her last album, the one that came out last year, it's kind of like she just went back to doing a dance album again. Right. I think one of these days she's going to pull something together that has kind of all of her influences in it, and that'll be the one. That'll be her best one. I think she's doing something with Tony Bennett again, too. Or at least right. did, a, did a duet with him or something. Yeah, I mean, she is uh, someone that I was very wrong about. When she first came out, I was like, God. Yeah, like you thought gimmicky right. dance person, but she's really talented. She really is. Yeah. So uh, I, um, that's, my, that's, my, uh, that's my album, Born This Way. Oh. All right, let's move on to the main subject of the main this podcast event. <laughs> Drum roll, please. <laughs> all right. I will give the correct top 10 <laughs> of all time. 
And then Beeb will also give his. This <laughs> is preposterous. An outrage. You want to start with your number 10? I, yes. You seem hesitant. I have some thoughts, Len. <laughs> In 1979, when I was now, um, uh, I actually, I it was this was really hard. Obviously, putting it was real hard, very hard. I have a couple of shows that I just just hate to leave. There's so many I really hate to leave off. Um, but uh, I want to, with your permission, of course. Mm -hmm. is just a, just a couple of honorable mentions okay um and i'll make we can talk very... more honorable mentions too after we do our top tens yeah i really i i really just tried to get it down to two i could go on and on but okay the two that i really want to bring out just hate to leave one is called the regular show um which is a cartoon um i don't know if you can still see it on cartoon network uh and the, i i actually got this from the kids Declan in particular would watch regular show. And uh, I found myself just laughing my uh, behind off at the, just hilarious characters. It was really funny, funny situations, typical slacker comedy. And uh, you know, it's a bunch of bunch of animals and they are uh, in charge of um, keeping uh, they're like groundskeepers at a local park. And uh, so it's a bunch of animals. There's um and, and then like weird amorphous creatures. Anyway, about halfway through the show gets unbelievably like, all right, these guys all of a sudden just took a lot of acid. Like what would happen if everybody just started taking acid? That's why it's one of your honorable mentions. I laugh so hard at the show. Uh, it's very, very clever. Very well done. So that's one. The other one is the reboot of uh, the 70s show One Day at a Time. Uh, starring this this new one stars uh, Rita Moreno, and uh, she is awesome. Uh, uh, the whole ensemble is great. It's reimagined as a Hispanic uh, family, and um, all the performances are great. It's very rooted in the '70s, so that the problems are kind of the same. There's a neat bow, but there's lots of nods to the present day, and it's very woke. And the writing is excellent. And like I said, Rita Moreno, you forget how hilarious she is. And she is just, every entrance, just just when she walks in, she's just this huge, grand, you know, she, they're in the apartment. They put her in like a room and they have a curtain. Uh, and that's where her room is. And every time she enters out of there, the curtain goes back with a flourish. Just shrunk this, this huge, dramatic entrance. It's great. I laugh every time. Um, but so let one, me ask you one day ask at a time about uh, animated shows. I didn't put any animated shows. I don't. I don't consider those sitcoms. Really? Yeah. I just consider them animated shows. So you you would have them in a separate category altogether. Yeah. I have one cartoon in my top ten. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't have any. And the rest are traditional. Um, yeah, I've seen. When I was I was looking at lists of greatest sitcoms, a few of them had some animated ones in there, but I think we'll do another 
podcast where we do our favorite animated shows of all time? I like, I, I would consider them because, well, the one that I picked is set up as, you know, like your typical sitcom. And I think that most of the, the popular ones are, you know, the same type of, they're freed up from the conventions of like live action so they can do weird, crazy things. And, yeah. Um, so, but um, I don't have a problem with it. I guess we didn't settle on the ground rules. Yeah, that's fine. Cause you only picked one, so. Is this why uh, I got the lawsuit in the uh, 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 you're suing me for my uh, inclusion of uh, cartoons? Well, <laughs> I forgot which. Let me look at my staff. Who did I send over there? Uh, <laughs> I believe that was uh, Lawrence. Lawrence. Oh, yeah, it might have been Lawrence. Man, I have a lot of, I have a lot of, I forget how many staff members I have. Well, Herman? <laughs> Is Herman a lawyer? Maybe Herman's the lawyer. Oh. Tallulah. Tallulah does good work. We don't talk about her too much, but. She's not a lawyer. Tallulah puts her nose to the grindstone. No, I'm just talking in general. Yeah, she cries. Laureen. Laureen. Another crier. Bart. Bart is my killer. Might have been Bart who's, who set that up. He's, I think he's wanted in five states. Well, hard worker. <laughs> All right, let's get to uh, my uh, first one. My 10th rated show, and you will laugh, but I laughed at this show. It was so dumb. I don't care. I laughed every time. Three's Company. Yes. 10th greatest sitcom of all time. John Ritter, master of physical comedy. Don Knotts, a comedy legend. The Ropers. She always wanted to have sex, and he <laughs> avoided her. Hilarity. Chrissy nope. Snow. Nope. Even when I was... A kid watching that show, I knew it was bad. Oh, this show is hilarious. Nope. <laughs> the only people I like in that show are Don Knotts and Norman Fell. You don't even like John Ritter? I did not. I've gotten yelled at for that. For that, I never liked John Ritter in anything. Wasn't a John Ritter fan. Woodridge has changed you. This is I've, this has been an opinion of mine forever. <laughs> oh, actually, Larry. I would laugh at Larry sometimes. <laughs> Larry! Oh, I would laugh at Larry. So the supporting guys I like, but the main people... Actually, I mean, as far as playing their roles, I thought Joyce DeWitt and Suzanne Summers were fine. It's just the scripts are terrible. It was the same episode every time. It just... It's not. They gotta. To they gotta be painful to watch now because every other episode was about. Oh no, they're gonna find out Jack's not gay. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely hasn't aged well. All yeah. Okay. Yes. It was every week. There was this wacky misunderstanding. Yeah. That they had to clear up, and every week there was an episode where either Mr. Furley or Mr. Roper would be listening as Jack and either Chrissy or Janet 
would get involved with a wacky double entendre filled conversation, which are some of the finest exchanges in the history of the forum. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Hilarity. Wow. You're off to a great start. I am off to a great start. Thank you. All right. My, my number, number 10, 10 is actually a good show. Oh, let's hear this far superior <laughs> production. Veep is my number 10. Veep is a riot. Veep Veep's is a great, great show. Yes. One of the best cast ever. Agreed. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, perfect. Yes. Matt Walsh. Um, Gary, Gary Cole is great on his show. <laughs> Every time Gary Cole would talk, I would laugh. <laughs> and all the, anytime they had a guest, I mean, these are some of the funniest people in the world around. And this writing, talk about writing. The writing was incredible. Well, I mean, there were no wacky misunderstandings in V. That's where it went wrong. That's why I didn't put a top I mean, 10. Veep is a great show. This is how hard it was to do, though. Veep is a great show. Great show. And I barely got it in the top 10. Yeah. I laughed very hard at Veep. Yeah. What's, uh, let's go to your number nine. It, uh, I'm a little hesitant, but go ahead. Oh, no. I'm really <laughs> uh, falling short here. Uh, my... Number nine show uh, was uh, also from, most of these are pretty old. Um, uh, my show was Golden Girls, um, which I, uh, um, no, both my parents uh, loved that show. And I would, that was one of the shows where I'd be like, oh, you know, I, uh, you know, this, this show is four old women in a retirement community. This is beneath me. I would laugh my ass off every time. It's from uh, the Susan Harris who did Soap. And um, yeah, all of them. Uh, Betty White, uh, B. Arthur had the greatest, greatest slap downs. Rue McClanahan and Estelle Getty is the mom. Yeah, they were hilarious. Who was your favorite one? It's tough. I'm going with the mom, with Estelle Getty. Estelle Getty? She, she had the one-liners. Um. But, that show uh, is going to last forever, I think. Yeah. Because in the past few years, there's been all this Golden Girl stuff has come out. Books, little like um, merchandise things you can buy. I forgot what this. Uh, there's this one thing that we sell a lot of. I can't remember what it's called now. But people absolutely love that show. And Betty White is a legend. She really has Everybody, become a legend. Every yeah, and I mean, she was it, hilarious. She was the big dummy. Of, I mean, but perfect. Um, I think it's character gonna, was terrific. I think it's going to stick around for a long time. That show, yeah, because it's one of the ones that because nowadays it's so easy to find anything. So people in their twenties are discovering it, and mm -hmm. it's just. I think it's going to last for a long time. I agree. What was your number nine? My number nine is Broad City. Broad City. I haven't even seen that show. That's how I was I just going to ask you that. That's it how out of it I am. A great show. One of my favorites. It's about, do you know anything about it? 
Not a thing. It's about these two friends, Alana and Abby, and just the ridiculous, ridiculous situations they get in, in New York City. And Alana and Abby are actually the names of the people who play Alana and Abby. So it's almost like a slightly differed version of their real selves. And they were, they're um, two women in their twenties. They actually got their show because they were performing at Upright Citizens Brigade in New York City. And Amy Poehler helped them get their show started on Comedy Central. And they're, you know, they're stoners and- (laughs) Hooray, yay. It's just crazy sexual situations. And do you know Hannibal Burris? Yes. He's on the show, he's really funny. He plays Alana's on again, off again dentist boyfriend. <laughs> it's really funny. And Alana, Alana Glazer, she's fantastic. She made me laugh every episode. And it's it's about their friendship. It's that kind of a thing. It's it's more about their friendship than anything, than their relationships with men. Right. And uh, I've seen every episode, and I don't think there was a clunker in the bunch. Wow. How long? Do you have Hulu? It's on Hulu now. All right. I do have Hulu. It it was on Comedy Central initially. Give Give it a shot. I think you'll like it. I will report back. Don't have Alex watch it and say that that's your opinion. Watch it yourself. Um, Alex, uh, likes his cartoons. Alex was the one that pushed for cartoons because, um, he enjoys them. Uh, he relates to Alex, Alex said laugh Olympics is the number one. Sitcom. <laughs> Don't, how dare you? What a low blow. <laughs> you know, my love of the really rottens and the fact that the Yogi Yahooies can never win, can never beat the stupid Scooby doobies. I watch every week hoping that because sometimes they do win every once in a while. Wow. Beef <laughs> pulling out the Laugh Olympics knowledge. Look at that. You just cut a nerve. This <laughs> sliced me. This is why all of you should listen to Jag Bags. You'll never know <laughs> what's going to happen. We are full of surprises. Mike Byer will pull out all the Laugh Olympics knowledge. <laughs> And it's absolutely free. <laughs> we give you such value for the entertainment dollar. <laughs> Until we get our sponsors. Oh, Still they're coming. For you. Slim Jim, Mr. Yes. Pip, Robin, yes. Robinson's yes. Ribs. Yes, we are available. We will double your Wendy's. sales. Mm-hmm. But th- within the year, Twix, Eli's Cheesecake. Oh, Oh, Eli's, your cheesecakes are like a balm for my soul. See, isn't that great advertising copy? Yeah. And it's a perfect segue from the universally known Laugh Olympics to your ad on the show. So think of that. Possible (laughs) advertisers. I don't think any advertising company would ever come and suggest a link between Laugh Olympics (laughs) and your product. But we do. We are innovative here at Jack. <laughs> okay, what's your number eight? My number eight is 
you know, I really, my list is so old school and I don't know what that says about me other than that I am old, but uh, I love the show. Number eight was the, uh, the Mary Tyler Moore show. Great um, show. Just great, show. Uh, great writing, um, great characters. Um, um, uh, just the, and just the situations were all, um, I, I, I liked the way that women were portrayed on it. They all had really like things to do and they, it was much more complex kind of, um, presentation of, um, you know, just their, their place in the world. And, but it wasn't like overly preachy. It was just a different, there were just different, um, you know, viewpoints and uh, situations and it really worked. And, and there wasn't a bad, there wasn't a one character that annoyed me in the bunch, just everyone. And I'll just, my favorites were of course, Mary, uh, Lou, and then of course, Ted Baxter and, (laughs) and Murray, how much Murray just hated Ted. It's just (laughs) the best. The Gavin McLeod slow burn. Uh, really? I mean, underrated and yet gold. Is he still alive, Gavin McLeod? I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, but yeah, that's my number eight. <laughs> Do you know there was a... Did you ever watch SCTV? Yes. And they would say he made a joke that Gavin McLeod was the luckiest man in the world. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was on all these hit shows. <laughs> He's still alive. 89. 89 years old. God bless him. He is a American actor and a Christian activist and author. Oh, really? That's what it says. You know, the thing about grow, you know, like growing up when we did is, you know, you're kind of just watching what your parents watch a lot. And there were three shows that stick out to me as being like a lot of references and stuff might have gone over your head, but they felt adult to you even when you were a kid was Mary Tyler Moore all in the family mm-hmm. uh, and um, Bernie Miller yeah. felt like when those shows are on, I would watch them and I liked them even as a kid, but I'd be like, there's other stuff going on here. Isn't there? <laughs> and that's, but that's like a tribute to them because they, they just had a lot going on all, all three of those. Yep. And, but- and Mary Tyler Moore, I mean, the focus of their show was a woman who was a, centered on her career pretty much and that was unusual for back then and single so ground ground yeah so groundbreaking for sure and not very and i always thought so all in the family did not make my top 10 yeah it didn't make mine either but it's it's worthy of it i i thought that mary tyler moore was just as for those reasons that you said just as like socially you know just as powerful as social commentary as all in the family. I just thought all in the family sometimes beat it, beat you over the head with it. Yeah. Where Mary Tyler Moore, like you said, they, they, they were just presented, but there was no, you know, commentary or preaching, which I, which I appreciated. And Mary Tyler Moore, I think is funnier than all in the family. Agreed. Agreed. But both great shows, both great shows. That's yeah. why I made it so hard. I mean, you no. could, I, I can put either of those in my top 10 and they're, they're both are really good. Yeah. My number eight show is Community. I love Community. Community. You want to talk about a cast too? Oh my God. 
<laughs> yeah. That's a Nelson, top to bottom. Nelson Bree and Gillian Jacobs, Donald Glover. Yep. The, the entire, and a great, it's a lot of these classic sitcoms, it's just the ensemble, just the, the great talents they had and how they meshed. I mean, met, them meshing is even more important than the amount of talent, I think. Mm-hmm. And community was very innovative. They would try different stuff all the time. Yeah. Ian Harmon, the guy, the showrunner, he, he was not afraid to take risks. And no. that's a show I want to go back and watch again because there's always a lot going on in there too. Yeah, that's a show that I watched when it was on NBC. And it was one of those, like, at first I was like, this is weird. And then uh, <laughs> that's that, that that's the kind of even his easy chair. It's the kind of <laughs> penetrating analysis that you get on Jag Bay. This is weird. Uh, it took me a while to figure out that there was much more going on. Um and they weren't just being weird for the sake of being weird. Yeah, it's it's really different, really funny. Great performances, great writing. I definitely want to go back to it. I want to start from the beginning and watch it all again. Yeah, that'd be a good... Um, binge. That'd be a good, good binge. binge one, yes. What about your number seven? Uh, number seven sitcom... Um, it was tough to leave the love boat out, but I did leave the love boat. Is that that's, not re- that's like an hour long. Yeah, it's, I, 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 I don't. If it's an hour long, you can't call it a sitcom. I don't consider it a sitcom because I saw a list that had freaks and geeks on it, and freaks and geeks not a sitcom. That's not a sitcom either. No. I agree. Great show, but not a sitcom. Uh, my number seven sitcom. I don't know if it's a sitcom. It's definitely a com. Uh, is uh, the the short-lived but hilarious show a police squad um, starring Leslie Nielsen. And uh, that show broke a lot of ground. And I, (laughs) I mean, they, they just basically took those old seventies cop shows and put them, I mean, just a brilliant satire of them. Yeah. It's it's uh, sad. That's on my honorable mention. Police squad. Yeah, because it only got one year. I know. And I would laugh so hard. I couldn't believe, I literally could yes. not believe when it was canceled. I was like, yes. what is wrong with America? That I agree. This show is effing hilarious. I know. We finally agree on something. This <laughs> almost makes up this almost makes up for your threes company. You'll come around one day. Oh, yes. <laughs> You'll come around to its homophobia. <laughs> Maybe it hasn't aged all that well. But yeah, police squad. Mm. Cry a tear for police squad. Way too short lived. Yes. That's, I mean, if that show would have had three seasons, I would have put it in my top 10. But I felt like one season, it's hard to put a show that only had one season in the top 10 for me. Um, it is and so I think it would have to be special um, which I thought Police Squad was Um, I I think it was probably too smart for um, 
I feel like it was like too smart for TV sometimes, you know. It's, but what I don't get is it was like airplane, mm-hmm. and I mean, and Leslie Nielsen. I think Police Squad was Police Squad. It was before Naked Gun and all that, right? I feel like they basically they, turned that stuff into movies and made a lot of money on it. But the, for some reason, the sitcom, which was free to watch, wasn't a hit. I, it didn't make any sense. I feel that they, they probably were like, okay, America doesn't get it. So God damn it. We're going to give them Frank Drebin because <laughs> I tell you it's funny <laughs> and you're going to agree. Yeah. Then people did. Yeah. My number seven is arrested development. Hilarity. I think the first two seasons of arrested development Amazing. are perfect. Amazing. The first two seasons, I every episode is great. Yes, it's and it'd be up higher on my list, but season three I think is good. Yeah, but I did not like the whole plot with Charlize Theron. Remember that part? Yeah. Yep. Where she's mentally challenged. I'm like, this is not funny and just offensive. And I only watched a few episodes of. Well, not even a few, maybe one or two when it moved to Netflix. I think there's five seasons total. I feel like you didn't miss anything. I, I haven't heard the yeah, I haven't heard the best stuff about that. But just for the first two seasons alone. I mean and again, another fantastic cast. It's a it's almost impossible to pick your favorite out of that cast. Do you have a favorite in that cast? <laughs> I mean <laughs> I mean Bateman centers the show. Bateman has to be like this. <laughs> he's the straight man looking at all the idiots. He's a straight him. man, which is not easy to do. No. Tobias David Cross is just <laughs> insane. He's Everything a- is just <laughs> completely ridiculous. Job also. I'd have the to. I, Jessica Walter. I think I really would have to go with Job. Because <laughs> he's just insane <laughs> his three thousand dollar suit <laughs> i don't know i i go back and forth it's, honorable it's- mention to henry winkler uh who was <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> arrested to fell yeah everybody just portia de rossi's like just a perfect spoiled yes i mean clueless rich person does all these ridiculous causes married to a gay man. (laughs) Everything she did was ridiculous. And George, Michael, and maybe everybody. Yeah. It's, uh, and that wasn't a hit either. They, they, I think they stuck with it just because the critics liked it so much. They Um, gave, they gave Fox gave it a shot. But after three years, people still weren't watching it. My my one complaint about Arrested Development is that sometimes, how do I say this? Sometimes I felt like the show got caught up in its own weirdness. Like it was like, how, all right, how weird can we be? And don't get me wrong, I loved it. And uh, someone who loves Three's Company <laughs> can't really get... Uh, but sometimes I thought it would take away from their characters. So you were in your easy chair. 
drinking your Sierra Mist going. Uh, this show's weird. This, this show's weird. <laughs> this show's weird. Not top ten. Like community. <laughs> community. I don't get it. <laughs> Beave on his lounge chair pulpit. Hold on. Where's Three's Company? Ah, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> this is a comedy clinic. I need some comfort. <laughs> Where are my double entendres? Uh, they always make me feel wonderful. <laughs> What's your number six? My number six show, this is where it gets really hard. Um, uh, but I go back to, it's weird. I'm just, I'm just going to go back to um, most of the stuff is what I grew up with as a kid um, or watched on reruns. But my number six is WKRP in Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, just again, just like, just no clunkers of a characters anywhere. Um, really strong writing. Um, uh, just like parts where you wouldn't necessarily be laughing, but you could tell that it was building towards something awesome. And so the build (laughs) was just, it's just fantastic. Um, and, uh, and just some unforgettable characters, um, uh, from, uh, Johnny fever to less, <laughs> less Nessman to Venus Flytrap, Um, and then of course, Jennifer Marlowe, my God. And, uh, um, Arthur Carlson. I mean, they were just, uh, and then Andy Travis just holding it all together. Right. He was the Bateman of this show. Yeah. Um, and just all the ridiculous, uh, um, situations and, uh, trials of, and I have to say, if I had to pick a favorite, it really would be Les Nessman. <laughs> yeah. The every year, everybody Herb Tarlick. <laughs> every year on Thanksgiving, everybody posts the classic care. Yeah. <laughs> no one's ever going to forget that one. And I almost, I almost put KRP in my top 10. It was a great show. Pretty much everything you said about it, I could say I would agree with. Look at that. We have agreed twice. I'm on a roll. Amazing. (laughs) My all-time favorite was their one Christmas episode where, you know, Herb Tarlick just openly lusted after Jennifer Marlowe. (laughs) She told him to just get the hell out. She was a really strong character. Very. She was and, the brains of the operation. Yeah, she did. They made her a smart bombshell. Very much so. And, uh, but <laughs> Frank Bonner played Herb Garlic. <laughs> he's leaving and he's dressed in some ridiculous Christmas outfit. And, uh, and he's carrying all this, you know, the stuff from the Christmas party. And Jennifer meets him and she's locking up. And uh, Herb's tried to make the Christmas party great. It's just been a big failure. And, uh, so he's leaving and he's miserable. And Jennifer Marlowe says, see that mistletoe in your uh, hand there? And Herb's like, oh, yeah. And she goes, put it over your head. <laughs> and his take. <laughs> Just his dream has finally come true. <laughs> uh, I have searched over YouTube for that. I can't find it. Jagbags listeners. What's up? If you are able to help me, 
Uh, I remember laughing so hard at that. <laughs> Just she gives him the biggest smooch ever and leaves, and he's still <laughs> he's still in the same position with the mistletoe <laughs> over his head. Doesn't move. He walks out with the mistletoe still over his head. <laughs> Great. I picture a young beeve <laughs> drinking a clear Pepsi, enjoying this and saying, "That's very funny." Someday that will funny, be me. That's not weird. That's not, <laughs> that's not weird. That's Name great. Herb Tarla. Yeah. Uh, what was your number uh, six? The Larry Sanders Show. Awesome. Hey, awesome show. Love it. Uh, talk about another one that like too. groundbreaking, just groundbreaking. Yeah, I mean a satire <laughs> rip torn. <laughs> That's the first thing I just thought of. Just <laughs> he had to he had to the finest. Just like Larry, he always had to calm Larry down. And then he <laughs> would just turn around and rip Hank a new one. <laughs> <laughs> Just the guest stars like David Duchovny <laughs> was in love with him, and how it broke down how the talk shows are and how they work. And John Stewart as the young upstart, just everything about it was fantastic. Another yeah. great, another great one to rewatch. I haven't watched the Larry Sanders show probably. I mean, we, we, I would watch it from um, time and again. It was on while, you know, we were, um, you know, going full bore at the factory. And I just never got the chance to see as much of it as I wanted to. But every time I would watch, I'm like, oh, show's great. Yeah. Great. Mm -hmm. um, so. Um, we're agreeing way too much. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> It's about to get real because we're about to hit the top five. All right, let's do it. This is where the rubber hits the road. <laughs> well, I know at least one of my top five you'll be outraged by. So, Oh, no. I already know what it is. <laughs> and you're wrong. You're wrong. You're oh. All right, we'll get to it. My number five show of all time, the fifth greatest sitcom ever made, is Seinfeld. Um, that's my fifth favorite. Um, I mean, I think it's all been said about Seinfeld, but I really liked was how, and, and I, I know that a lot of people prefer curb your enthusiasm to Seinfeld and I totally get it. I do think Larry David was the brains of Seinfeld. Um, to me, Larry David sometimes would come off as like less funny and more kind of like an unpleasant guy. And in Seinfeld, even though the characters were, I mean, incredibly flawed, um, there was a likability to them. And and yeah, the show was you know about nothing. They would they would explore concepts. And like just ideas and like kind of like observations on human nature. 
um, which was interesting to me. And for such a small, tight ensemble, you know, I can't pick which one I like the best. They all were like, I think sometimes Jerry was the weakest of the four. Um, and then the supporting characters around them. Uh, not always. I, I Sometimes Jerry Stiller annoyed me. Um, but uh, they supported the Wayne Knight, um, the Soup Nazi, um, just to name a few. Um, I just really enjoyed. And uh, I just thought it was such an unusual and terrific show. Yeah, you know what? You know my views on Seinfeld, right? I don't think I have heard. I, it, it, a lot of people really dislike Seinfeld. I like it, but I would have liked it better if it was just Elaine and Kramer show. Yeah. Because <laughs> George, George annoyed Seinfeld, you. George annoyed me. <laughs> Man. To me, uh, that's, that's why I get yelled at for the most. Because <laughs> people, if you're a Seinfeld fan, you have to love George. And I do not love George. And I like Seinfeld. It's not like I can't watch the show. There's some great episodes. Yeah. But there's also episodes where I just want to turn it off when, when George is annoying me. <laughs> and Seinfeld is really one of the stiffest actors of all time. Yeah, Seinfeld really. uh, himself is the weakest of the four, no doubt. Yeah, not, not an actor. He's not an actor. No. Which is why he's basically playing himself in this. But yes. he's not even that great playing himself. But, yeah, is, you know, there's agreed. there's classic episodes I like, like the contest. That's an amazing one. What about Which the- George, of course, wins. <laughs> <laughs> I can just see George acting, you know, uh, despicably and Len in his easy chair with his Mr. Pib looking, just going, you are a jagoff, George. <laughs> but I get it. I get it. <laughs> that was your you. that was your number five right that is my number five yes my number five is parks and recreation love parks and recreation in parks and recreation i almost stopped watching it after the first season is not that good oh really but, yeah i don't think the first season's that good but people are telling me you know stick with it so i'm like all right i'll stick with it and it got great it got great great I think they, it almost was a office ripoff almost at first. The talking to the cam, camera yeah. and yeah, I don't think Amy Poehler had found her footing until season two. Agreed. Because Amy Poehler is really funny, but Leslie Nope wasn't a typical Amy Poehler type of character, like kind of a outrageous things she did in on Saturday Night Live she kind of had to tone that down and create more create a real person I guess right and I think she started to hit her stride in in season two and bringing Adam Scott on helps helped a lot and Chris Pratt super he's funny. tremendous he's tremendous uh, <laughs> I'm a reply as <laughs> Aziz Aziz might, might be my favorite on the show Everything is he's said made me laugh. And I uh, I I am an Aziz uh, uh, Ansari fan, and who's the uh, he's the older guy that they uh, that they would Jerry. Jerry. <laughs> See, I am the Jerry of the Factory Theater, 
our circle, my family. I am the Jerry of life. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> I love Jerry. That's what's great about Jerry is one of the, you know, he's married to Christy Brinkley and has these beautiful daughters and they all love him. <laughs> so his home life is perfect. <laughs> yeah. And he's the, he's the know, butt of it all. <laughs> I also, what do you think of Rob Lowe on the show? Rob Lowe's really good. I really like him. Like <laughs> we always quote his, please stop pooping. <laughs> Rashida Jones and all the stuff that uh, Amy, I just looked it up today. All the stuff Amy Poehler would say to her, call her like her beautiful sunflower. <laughs> <laughs> just give her all these ri- ridiculous compliments every show. What's your favorite? What's your, f- oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, what I was going to say is a lot of sitcoms is you just really get attached to characters. And that, that's what happens with this show. Yes. Sometimes that will elevate a show. You just get really uh, enamored of everybody and you want, you want to see what happens to them. And it's, it's uh, you get attached to them. So not only is the show funny, but you're also super invested in everything that goes on. I agree. I agree. Um, And even like the minor characters, what I like is that even the minor characters, you, I, I, I want more of them because they're so fun. Like Councilman Jam, just the greatest. Raphael. <laughs> Raphael. I forgot his sister's name, Jenny Slate Plater. They made me laugh so hard. Ah, oh, the best. And, and the high school kid, Pilkus. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's a high school kid and he's Leslie Nope's arch enemy. <laughs> Uh, it's brilliant. Brilliant. And they just, I think that show just got better and better every year. See, that's the thing. I really, I feel that they found their characters got stronger and stronger. You were talking about Amy Poehler and Leslie Nope. I think she got comfortable in, you know, Leslie Nope as kind of a try hard, just high energy, almost manic type. And she was able to present that and be laughed at and be comfortable at getting laughed at, which. And even be more, more of a straight man than she was used to, I think. Yes. Because the more ridiculous characters were orbiting around her. Right. Like Ron Swanson and Aziz's yes. character, Aubrey Plaza. And, Cause they yes. were all insane basically. And it was funny because she would lay out the ambitious plans and then they would. <laughs> Uh, and Ron Swanson would never want to do any of them. My uh, favorite kid, just getting back to Rob Lowe for a second. So my don't, my 15 year old daughter loves Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I would try to, she would always like, Oh, that Ryan, um, he's so handsome. <laughs> and I, which, uh, which amused me. And so I would like, <laughs> I would try to like catch her. I'd be like, Hey, you want to watch a movie? And then I'd look for movies like, St. Elmo's Fire. I was just going to say that. Let's watch your dad's favorite movies. Outsiders. (laughs) I'd say, oh, here he is. Here's Rob Lowe. And she would, I think it was, I forget which movie it was, but she, like, her jaw dropped. She goes, is that from Parks and Rec? I was like, I'm just going to leave it here. Actually, maybe I won't. This is an 80s movie. 
<laughs> I see his bare butt. Yeah, don't let her watch Bad Influence yet. <laughs> Starring Robert California and <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yep. Anyway, Parks and Rex is a great show. I it for me it's top 20 mm. for sure. Okay. Well, let's move on to your number 4 then. So, uh my number 4 show of all time is The Honeymooners. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh and really, I mean, that's just where it all began. And um, just that's, it's just all the, all the bits you see is, you, you could just see the influence that it had on television, you know, moving forward. And uh, <laughs> just the ridiculous schemes that Ralph Cramden cooks up and he gets his, <laughs> and he gets Art Carney to go along with his, with his moronic schemes and uh, and art carney was just as funny i thought as uh, as as uh, jackie gleason in some in some ways just a great straight man um and i mean jackie gleason was just <laughs> i mean talk about a slow burn I mean, he's the master of it just the master of the slow burn and uh he was just such an incredible physical comedian. And like, he was clearly the star of the show. Um, and so, yeah, I would watch it more for him, but I just, he's a guy that you just can't take your eyes off of. And just uh, in many ways, you know, um, and he was a really good actor too. You know, he'd, he'd give a little, you know, human side. So it wasn't just a crazy screaming guy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and uh just really, really enjoy that show. And, you know, every time I go into, uh, if I'm tooling around YouTube and, you know, invariably I'm going to a honeymooners bit just to laugh. Um, and mostly at Jackie Gleason. He carries it. And uh, so it is, is a little bit unbalanced, but that's how much I like Jackie Gleason as, as Ralph Cramden. So funny. Okay. I don't have much to say about the honeymooners because I haven't really seen too many honeymooners episodes. But it's obviously probably the most influential sitcom because it was the pioneer almost. And the yeah, and the thing is is about it is that like so all the plot lines are kind of I mean it's it's so old school it's so old, but Gleason is so it's more like I like to watch him just and Art Carney too just as actors and how they play off each other mm-hmm. and the wives too. Audrey Meadows is great. Because she's just like, oh my God, you're, <laughs> you're an idiot. And he's ranting and raving about something. And I tell you, there's a lot about Scott Oaken. I mean, I think you and I both agree that, you know, you know the longtime artistic director of the Factory Theater in Chicago and a guy that we, you know, you and I both find hilarious. And every time I watch Oaken, just in gen- in life, <laughs> and but on stage, <laughs> I always think of Jackie Gleason. Right. I always do. Yep. Um, and every time I think, I, every time I watch the Honeymooners and Gleason, I think of I think of Scott Oaken. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah. I'll be curious to if you, I'll send you a few. Yeah, so, I've seen I've seen a few episodes, but I've never, I've never seen a full season or anything. Ernie loves the Honeymooners too. Ernie's a big Honeymooners fan. Yeah, he used to always do the bang zoom line. Yeah. And some other Jackie Gleasonisms. 
one of these days. One of these days. What's uh, what's your number four? My number four is similar to Parks and Recreation, Taxi, Ugh. because workplace comedy. Yes. You have the main person, yes. straight man, surrounded by his <laughs> crew of lunatics. <laughs> Not all lunatics, but almost a similar kind of vibe to it. And you get completely attached to these people. Yes. Super, really super well-written, really funny. I keep, in my head, I keep saying rewatchable. I almost think that's part of the appeal of some of these sitcoms because you just want to sit down and laugh and revisit these characters that you've always liked. And I think that's what gives them their staying power is the shows like this. I mean, Judd Hirsch, he's perfect in it. Yes. (laughs) The first role for Tony Danza is Tony. (laughs) (laughs) And you get the frustrated actor and you have, Marilyn Henner, almost almost the oh. Lonnie Anderson type role where she's she's like the bombshell. Yep. Everybody's hitting on her, but she's a smart character. Very. Uh, it's just good writing. You make your female characters, you give them something to do and not just rely on their looks. Right. Latka, I mean, hilarious. Come on. Come on. Groundbreaking. <laughs> I remember the first, the first episode of Taxi, one of the funniest things ever is Louie behind the cage. He's yelling at everybody, this intimidating guy, and then he walks out and he's super short. <laughs> just the sight gag of it. Just perfect. Yeah. And like I said, Jeff Conway, the struggling actor. Yeah. And Christopher Lloyd. Oh, it's Jim. I mean... We talk I mean, about who was who was the more whacked out <laughs> character. Was it Christopher Lloyd as Jim, Andy Kaufman as yeah, Latka, or Danny DeVito as? What a balance they had to have! Three complete lunatics, super super strong actors. Yeah. The I always quote the yellow light light one. Do you remember that one? Where Jim uh, is taking the driver's test. Yeah. <laughs> and he's trying to get the answer from Bobby. And he's like, what does a yellow light mean? And Bobby's like, slow down. And he just keeps <laughs> slowing down. <laughs> what? <laughs> and anything Andy Kaufman did, he was a oh. complete, complete risk taker. Very much so. And Carol Kane just hitting hitting the ball back to him every time that's that, gotta be I mean, hard like, to it's got to be hard to perform with a guy like that and she was perfect as perfect and uh, yeah i i love that show i i'm on a taxi group on facebook and they posted this thing about christopher lloyd and i was like i think i think this was his career highlight not not back to the future I like, uh, and he's great as Doc Brown, but Reverend Jim, he he killed me every episode. Oh, he was, I mean, that's no doubt that made him a star. Yeah, he was. 
and just the surprises like he came from a rich family this guy would wear the same beat up clothes every day yeah and he's <laughs> well educated and yeah you would never know that they they just did a great job Taxi, you know, like you were saying before, like when those 70s sitcoms, that was what Taxi was definitely one of the shows that I would watch as a kid and be like, I've probably missed about five different <laughs> references in the last minute. This is way over my head. But <laughs> let's have Jim go again. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> get, Lod- get Lodka Gravis on here again. That guy's the best. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I mean, I would like to do this. <laughs> what about number three for you? Uh, number three uh, was the subject of an entire Jag Bags podcast, and that is The Office. Okay. Um, that is my number three. All right. Well, let's talk about that in a second. Okay. That's also on my list. Uh, my number three is your favorite. 30 rock this is <laughs> barbaric <laughs> utterly and completely <laughs> barbaric it's not funny. I, I've, I'm, I'm here i will sit in my easy chair <laughs> watch 30 rock what's your drink of choice when you're making your judgments uh you know i kind of whatever's around but uh uh, lately, I enjoy a uh, uh, glass of Crystal Light lemonade, ice cubes in it. <laughs> Lovingly prepared by my daughter as I sit in my Who's easy chair. Who's that acidic critic in sitting on the couch drinking Crystal Light with plenty of ice cubes? In judgment. <laughs> well, to me, I mean, we know you don't like Tina Fey, but love Tina Fey. Right. Alec Baldwin, great. Who is funny. Very funny. Tracy Morgan, who I did not like that much on Saturday Night Live. On 30 Rock, he makes me laugh every episode. And Jack McBrayer. It might be be the sitcom that's made me laugh the hardest. (laughs) Because it's just straight up ridiculous every episode. And and Tina Fey, continuing with a lot of our themes today, is got a circus of weirdos that she has to corral to get her job done. Right. But she's a weirdo herself. Right. She's obsessed with food. (laughs) Doesn't doesn't like sex and is just... There's so many neuroses. My, one of my favorite episodes is when she goes back to her high school reunion and she thought she was the one who gets picked on, but in reality, she was the mean girl. She was the one who would say really mean stuff to the people in her class. So they would turn things on their head. And we're we're into a rewatch right now. And I, I just, well, 30 Rock? Still laughing. Still laughing so hard. But I know you're like are your kids at all into 30 rock no they haven't really seen it you know why not enough memes (laughs) right (laughs) (laughs) like henry henry gets they actually watched office a little bit even though a lot of that stuff probably 
goes over their head. But I pre- I predict they love Kevin. Kevin is their favorite. Let's let's move into the office because the office is my number two and it's okay. your number three. So let's my talk name. office a little bit. I predict that uh, Henry will, in, in time, really watch The Office. Well, well, it, it's going off on Netflix now, so you'll have to. Well, Peacock. We have Peacock. Yeah, it's on Peacock. Um, and they have uh, extended cuts of the episodes on Peacock now. Really? Yeah. Well, that's that's a reason because uh, I it, both both my kids. I think Declan was in seventh or eighth grade when he really started getting into the office. Yeah. And Jesse, pretty much the same age, and she and Rita went on a major rewatch jag like about two three months ago and busted them all out again and um yeah they uh they they uh this time around they've really gone um they well they've they've really gone for jim they just they really just think jim's the, the finest and uh I think we I mean, we've discussed Jim before. I mean, we, we've yeah. gone over the office before. It's it's definitely yeah. we don't have to go over the office too much. Yeah. Any of the new listeners to our show, we do a deep dive into the Office Center episode eleven. Yeah, check it out. You go to our Simplecast page or any of the other formats we're on. You can watch any of our or you can listen to any of our old episodes. The Office is one of our most popular ones. We go into the openings, the favorite characters, favorite episodes. It's a really good one. But uh, you know how you're talking about you're talking about your daughter. Well, Henry and Darby have watched a few, and their favorites are their favorite uh, character is Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, I mean, Henry thinks Kevin dropping the chili is the funniest thing. <laughs> because it is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I'm that's with, my. It's I'm your number Henry. three. It's my number two. What's what's your number two? And then we'll go into your number one after you do your number two. So my number two is the controversial one. Uh, Alex uh, told me that I could vote for The Simpsons, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so blame him. Uh, but uh, yeah, to me, I mean, The Simpsons are about as. Uh, now I have to say that you know I've kind of stopped watching after season you know I was like well after season ten how long can they keep this going well apparently they can really keep it going <laughs> do it forever for God's sakes yeah. um, but uh, just all the different characters and situations and the um, Harry Shearer um, uh, and his uh, Phil Hartman your favorite. Um, <sighs> And uh, just the writing, um, the, the the various uh, uh, um, side characters, in addition to like the the, the travails of the um, of the Simpson family, and then of course the greatest villain of all time, Mister Burns. <laughs> <laughs> Have the Rolling Stones killed? Catch me a martini, Smithers, and don't be stingy <laughs> with the vino. <laughs> yeah, the Willis Simpsons, it's nuclear family. Yeah. It's supporting cast of weirdos. Yep. Uh, Homer, despite 
He's the he's the <laughs> finest. He is. I love Homer. Despite all finest. his failures, he's likable. <laughs> and Marge and uh, Lisa just try to keep everything together. <laughs> Birds, Homer, you love this woman too. Homer, you're damn right. Birds goes, then show her your love. Goes, That's right. Marge, we're getting drive through and we're doing it twice. <laughs> <laughs> plus, plus the Simpsons gets credit for having a grand funk reference. So, yeah. <laughs> and I don't, I don't watch the Simpsons regularly, but when I put it on now, I still laugh. Yeah, it's just, it's almost like some of these rock stars we've talked about who have been around forever and have a million albums. You're almost like another album. Right. There's just something about it. When something's around forever, you take it for granted and you might be missing some really good stuff because just the longevity, it's amazing. It's really amazing. 30, I think it's 31 years now, right? Wasn't yeah, it like 89? Yeah, when it started. Hmm. And uh, I mean, I haven't kept up with it and uh, maybe that's my, but their Halloween episodes, I watched it basically during the 90s. So solid from, you know, so started watching it in college and really all the way up until I got married and then a little bit beyond that. And, um, and uh, then of course, you know, as, as an adult, I shouldn't be watching cartoons anymore. <laughs> yeah, you're very mature. Yes. Yes. The I moved on from my maturity. easy chair. Yes. Back to three's company. <laughs> Let me enjoy some crystal light lemonade <laughs> and watch the brilliance of Richard. Norman. Oh, come on. He just got back from a date with the Jiggle Twins at the Regal Beagle. <laughs> Let's go to the Regal Beagle. All right. So now let us get to the moment everyone has been waiting for. Uh, Your number one. I'm ready. Do you want to go first or you want me to? You can go first. So you can judge me? Sure. I'm well, you started with number 10, so you You're should right. finish with right. your number one. That's fair. My number one sitcom of all time is Cheers. Guess um, what? Guess what? Do we agree? We agree. Unbelievable. <laughs> through all the strife, through all the ups and downs of this yeah. podcast. Yeah. Never stop believing. <laughs> I thought this might happen because <laughs> I knew you liked chairs a lot and well, go ahead. You start and then I'll, I'll say a couple things. Uh, I mean, just real quick. I mean, to me, the strength of the show is that when you can lose two major characters, uh, you know, the show starts out and you're like, this show is hilarious. Everyone's great. Everyone's incredible. And then you lose two major characters, coach, and then Diane. And not only do you not miss a beat, but you actually get stronger. Uh, to me, says it all about just the quality of the acting, the writing, the situations, and just uh, the strength of the show overall. That they can add, sometimes on sitcoms, you know, they add a new character and oh, it's so annoying. They added characters that were incredible. Yeah, Cheers was smart and didn't add Ted McGinley. Right. 
Right. It's like they never added someone. You're like, oh, God. did we get Woody Harrelson or Ted McGinley? Woody right. Harrelson. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and Kirstie Alley, when I thought that would be the death knell, when uh, they brought on, um, when they brought on Kirstie Alley, I was like, the first two episodes, I was like, this is not Diane. The show, Rebecca, this, this isn't working. And, uh, but I'll stick with it because it's Cheers. And it's a testament that in like within, you know, a year or two, I was like, I found myself forgetting about Diane because Rebecca was such Christy a is great. strong character and talk about neuroses. <laughs> just awesome. Yeah, she's, a, she's amazing on it. Too bad she's insane now, but she's, she, yeah. she was great on Cheers. She really was. Yeah. So that's really all I have to say, just from top to bottom. And Cheers again, fits exactly the sitcom format's uh, strengths. The excellent ensemble. Mm-hmm. It's not a workplace comedy, but it has this w- pretty much, I was thinking about this today, Cheers is nearly every episode's just in the bar. Right. I don't think they have an episode outside of the bar. No. You, you kind of get, a, once in a while you get a small glimpse outside the bar, but it's rare. Right. It's like <laughs> you could make a case that Cheers is just a dream somebody has <laughs> it's not. It's that's it, and you never meet uh, Norm's wife. So there's like some you hilarious. Could, you could come up with some crazy theories about the show, and Ted Danson, yeah, just a legend. Oh. He's great in everything, and he's the center of the show. Agreed. You know, he's, he's somewhat stable. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of loses it a little bit with Diane and with, uh, who's, who is the rival? Was it Gary? Yeah. <laughs> Cause, uh, Roach one time, he had this thing where he, we watched all the episodes that had Gary in him. <laughs> they even switched Gary's. They had a different actor play Gary without oh, a, funny. without a hitch. Cause there's like five, maybe five Gary episodes. <laughs> Which are all great, and any episode you pick doesn't matter what year; it, they're just all good. Great consistency, great writing, great cast. Who is Hilarious. your favorite? Who is your number one favorite? Uh, Cheers uh, character. That's a hard. That's yeah, real hard. I, I think. Know. I think as far as. Coach and Woody probably make me make me laugh the most. Yeah. Um, but you're really, I mean, you're really invested in Sam. Mm-hmm. At least I was. You want Sam to be all right. I mean, he's recovering. He's like he's recovering alcoholic. He's former baseball player. He's trying to keep this bar afloat. So, and Ted Danson's such a likable guy. You're always kind of. I guess. I guess I'd say Sam. I guess I'd say him. Oh, Sam, that's your favorite. Yeah, if I had to pick one. What about you? You know, I. I think that. Um, I think that if I had to pick, <laughs> it's really hard. 
I think that I would go with Frazier because <laughs> he's just, I mean, he's a, he's a, he started out as kind of a guy that, um, you know, he's kind of a guy that it's easy to um, hate and, or that he's kind of a, you know, a pseudo intellectual blowhard, but uh, just the writing and Kelsey Grammer himself really makes him just more than, and then when they brought Lilith on, I've just, you know, it transformed Frazier from just this buffoon, this buffoonish psychiatrist to a guy that you actually, you know, come to care about. Yeah. And, uh, and I almost, uh, I mean, the, the spinoff of Frazier, was is also a great great show in my opinion yeah my dad's favorite love frazier so um that i'd have to say that he's my favorite cheers to yeah. how about to end this i'll i'll uh real quick i'll go through some of my honorable mentions all right and you just kind of give me a yay or nay i'll we'll do kind of a rapid fire hold on let me pour some glass of crystal light <laughs> can relax shake the, shake the glass so we can hear all the ice cubes yes okay. hear the clinking of your judgment <laughs> okay uh, friends mm-hmm. yay or nay nay no i never i never liked friends i've seen every episode i like huh? it is yeah, i'm in the minority i'm 10 years ago it probably would have been in my top five AP Bio. Never saw it. I hear it's great. Everyone's like, you got to watch it. You've told me about it. Yes, I love it. I love it. Soap. Soap. That's uh, an honorable mention. Soap almost made my top 10. I love it. Hilarious. Hilarious. Another groundbreaker. Very much so. Curb Your Enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. Undeclared. Never watched Undeclared. It's a one season one. It's like a Judd Apatow one, uh, Seth Rogen, and you know Charlie Hunnam is. Ah, uh, yeah, yes. Sons of Anarchy. Right. It's about it's about college. Really good, really funny. Party Down. Never saw that. You never saw Party Down? No. Adam Scott, Jane Lynch, Ken Marino. You would like that show. Right. I think it was on stars or something, so it never had a chance. But you could find it. Flight of the Concords. Hilarious. Yeah. I think <laughs> that's almost a perfect one, too. I think they only had two seasons, though. Right. That's why it didn't make my top 10, but I love that show. I saw them in concert, too, and they were, they were excellent. Hysterical. And Family Ties. Hysterical, and we even mentioned some other stuff like Mash. That's in my honorable mention. I, I that was tough to keep out. I know we both liked a good place. Wonderful, Dick Van Dyke, Andy yep. Griffiths. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the original one day at a time, and uh, New Girls pretty funny. The first five seasons of it's always sunny in philadelphia i thought were really good i don't really watch it anymore because i thought yeah. it kind of 
declined, but I love the first. That's that's one of those shows that's been around forever too. Yeah, yeah. But that's that, yeah. That wraps it up. We agree on the number one. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is pretty incredible. I think people are going to uh, uh, write letters or send faxes saying this was obviously fixed. <laughs> and uh, so we'll have to. We'll Jag bags. <laughs> There's the collusion. <laughs> and we'll throw in three's company to get them off the scent. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, the only two ones that I want to mention, um, uh, really uh, uh, three. The, the first is Roseanne, the original Roseanne. I laughed a lot at that show. Um, I thought I it like was, the show better if she wasn't on it. I mean, now she's problematic. and No, like, no, uh, just even back then I'd watch the show and I'd like it, but just her line readings... But the as a creator and everything yes the writing on the show is good and the rest of the cast was good but i had a hard time listening to her on that show right uh the other two i want to bring up are uh new heart yeah new heart's good both new hearts yeah um i liked if i had to pick i think just because i saw it more would be the one where he ran the the bed and breakfast Mm-hmm. With uh, Larry, Daryl, and, yep. and Daryl. Um, <laughs> and the other one that my parents really liked was The Odd Couple. The old. Uh, yeah, The Odd Couple's good too. Yeah. yeah. So those would be my just ones to mention. That's why this was so hard to do. There's so many classics to pitch. So uh, many that we didn't pick. Yeah. Um, I mean, agreed. There's like, I mean, there's the Beverly Hillbillies, uh, Hogan. <laughs> Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> well, why, are you, why are you laughing so much? <laughs> I, I'm, 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 not, I'm only laughing at the Beverly Hillbillies, but uh, oh. I liked Hogan's Heroes. Yeah. Um, anyway, this was a good, uh, I enjoy, we could do like our, we should do like, what were the worst sitcoms of all time? <laughs> <laughs> We can really uh, get our uh, judgment drinks on. <laughs> Bust out the crystal light and the pib. <laughs> right. As the jag bags. <laughs> Fill up the airwaves with bile. That's right. Well, I think uh, I think we've come. We, I think we got lost in the time, but uh, um, this is going to be another marathon episode, but I know you've stayed with us until the end, Jagbags listeners. And we thank you for that. Yes. But before we finish, let's get a up. Uh, we had a question about our theme song. Yes. The theme song was composed by our sound engineer and musical producer, uh, Declan Beyer, who uh, composed his first effort. We reject as a little too somber. We'll have to dig that up again and play the original. Uh, that would be like, welcome to funeral at Jag Bags. So, uh, the existential despair, Jag. The, <laughs> this is an upbeat, 
Pepe show. <laughs> so he came back with a, he came back with a winner. He is a freshman studying um, digital audio recording at the university of St. Francis in Joliet. And I know he will appreciate the shout out uh, theme song by Declan Byer. And that's it. Thank you so much for listening. Next week will be the mother of all podcast episodes. The one that may drive us to fisticuffs in our violent <laughs> arguments. And that is the fiction of John Irving. So this is a departure for us. Um, yep. and I hope you'll tune in. Yeah, we're going to talk books. And we're also talk about the movies based on his books. Plus, I actually interviewed him. So stay tuned for that. Oh, man. A wild night at Liquorbox with John <laughs> Irving and Glenn Foote. <laughs> Tune in for that. That's next week. And uh, thanks again for listening. Please tell a friend all about us and, uh, and uh, check out our podcasts. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. We're on Facebook. You can find us at jagbags.simplecast.com or wherever fine podcasts are found. And if you have an idea for a show or something you want us to mention on air, send us an email at jagbagspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. And when you're ready, put a little jag bags in your ear. <laughs>